This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Chumash and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine, the busiest mixed race bisexual polyamorous atheist comic book nerd cat mom podcaster in this podcasting game. Unfortunately, I am recording on a voice memo on my phone at the moment, even though I have my new system and everything. Uh, reason being is I actually did record a different intro over the weekend to put to this episode. There was a few things I was really excited about that I wanted to share with y'all. And it's kind of fallen apart, those things, since then. So rather than put that out there and then have to retract it, I just decided to re-record an intro. And I'm recording in my room right now on my phone <laughs> like a goober. Just to just to reintroduce this this episode since uh the other things that I was reporting on are, are kind of in limbo or shifting or just totally dead. Yeah, so that's it. I'm not gonna say anything more about that because that is what it is and it kinda it's got me down. Um my guest this week is Ivy. They have been participating in the social distancing hangouts for the last six or seven weeks that we've been doing it. And, you know, over the course of time we got a chance to to get to know them a little bit and then I asked, I think a few weeks ago, I had asked if anybody in the social distancing group felt like they wanted to come on the show. And Ivy was one of the people who said they wanted to come on the show. So we got a chance to to do our interview. And it, it's, it was really great uh, for me in that it is a conversation with another mixed person from different heritages than I come from, different cultural background and different regional background. So I was just learning a whole lot uh, that is new for to me from my own experience, which is one of the things that I love most about doing this show is getting to meet people that come from different places, who come from different ethnic groups, whose mixed experience is a lot different from mine, so that I can broaden my perspective on mixedness as well. So I'm really happy to share this episode with you. And shout out to Ivy for participating. Over the last six or seven weeks of doing the social distancing virtual hangout, I have gathered, or I'm assuming Ivy is a little bit on the shy side, and also that they've never or rarely have had a chance to speak about their own mixedness or mixed ideas to other mixed people. It's not a frequent opportunity of, or availability for them, you know, like it is for a lot of us. So to get a chance to talk to them and for them to share their story with me means a lot. I've, I feel this very heavily every time I speak to another person for the show because... Um, I've been telling my story over and over again for a really long time now, and some of y'all who have access to the show haven't. And so it, it's not lost on me the weight of telling, the weight of sharing for me. And I really appreciate it, and I'm really happy to be able to share this episode with you. Uh, in terms of sort of 
the announcements or the logistical things that I normally talk about, PayPal and Patreon and stuff like that, I still am kind of backing off on that a little bit because I know it's a difficult time still for everybody and not everybody's back to work or if they are able to work, it's still, you know, uncertain times. So uh, if you do still feel like you want to participate in that, it is available to you and it's always in the show notes. Um, but I'll try not to hype it too much um, in the near future, just while we all try to adapt to what life is like right now. <laughs> and I hope your stamina is doing well and your mental health is doing well and you have self-care techniques to look after yourselves right now because I know it's tough. Um, I definitely was slipping on, on my self-care for a while and part of that had to do with my environment not being comfortable or my normal environment. And um, so I'm trying to reorganize my my home so that I can feel that way again uh I did have that over the weekend a little bit I I got to I got to take a break push a pause button basically and self-care a little bit so I felt good over the weekend but I'm a little bit bummy today again so you know it comes and goes all the time but I do want to encourage everybody who hasn't yet if you want to participate in the social distancing virtual hangouts and you're not a member of our Facebook group that is the best way to access the link Right now is to be a member of the Facebook group and you'll get direct access to the link. I'm trying to keep it publicly locked down as possible because of the news that I've been hearing for the last few weeks of, I guess, haters breaking in and hacking into people's uh, Zoom calls just to harass them and, and throw um, hate speech at them and stuff like that. So that's the best way to access it. But I know that not everybody's on Facebook. So if you aren't on Facebook, but you are, you know, you've been with the show for a while, you've been listening, you maybe follow us on Instagram or Twitter, but, um, but you're not just on Facebook, then send me an email or slide into my DMs and let me know that you want to participate. And I'll send you the link that way. Uh, just because I want to make sure that this space is a safe space for us. Melissa Mix is a for us, by us, from us podcast. I want it to be a safe space for mixed people. I want mixed people to be contributing. And that's really important to me. So if you want to participate, but you're not on Facebook, email me at Charmaine at militantlymixed.com. S is in Sam, H-A-R-M as in Mary, A-N as in Nancy, E at militantlymixed.com. Or slide into the DMs on Twitter and Instagram and, you know, just let me know you want to participate and I'll send you that link. And the group is, you know, as far as I'm concerned, still going strong. We have a lot of regulars now, which is awesome. Last week, we had a lot of new folks. Um, this past weekend, it was mostly, yeah, I think last weekend was all regulars. So come on in, meet some other mixed folks, chat about your mixedness. And we do have a, a pretty good topic, I think, next week that was sort of brought up and, and introduced during this week. So looking forward to it. But I think I'm going to go ahead and call that my intro for today, just because it's, uh, mm, you know, sometimes it's just, just one of those mm, kind of days. And that's what it was for me today. I hope you all are doing OK. I hope you're taking care of yourself, not just the washing your hands and wearing the face masks and quarantining if you can, but finding some way to find normalcy. Over the weekend, I was able to get my couch back and hang out on it and watch TV and just kind of decompress from not having access to that space. And I didn't realize until recently how important that space was to me and, and or in terms of my mental health and my self-care routine. But having it over the weekend was really helpful. And even though I didn't get to go outside and go to the beach with the weather hot and everything like that, that little nugget of time that I had on my couch this weekend 
lifted me up for for a bit. It was it was really wonderful to have that normalcy. So find little nuggets of normalcy where you can and take care of yourselves and we will be back next week. But without further ado, please help me welcoming our latest cousin to the Militantly Mixed family, Ivy. I'm not smooth in my entry. <laughs> I'm always just like, all right, we've been talking for 15 minutes. Let's start yeah. the show. <laughs> all right. So we're back. And my guest this week is Ivy. Ivy's been participating in our social distancing virtual hangout. What do I call it? Social distancing virtual hangouts every week. Mm-hmm. You've been joining us from there. Why don't you introduce yourself to everybody and uh, let's get into it. All right. So my name's Ivy. I am 24 years old. I'm from Minnesota. And so I am biracial. My dad's side of the family is uh, from India. And then my mom's side of the family is mostly German and like a tiny bit Irish. So Mm -hmm. is that like the Germans that settled up in that area and just kind of stayed German? Or is it just general white that the origin is Germany? I think it's just like the, yeah, like the general origin is just mm. German. So, yeah. Because I know there's still yeah. some communities up there, like Wisconsin and, and Minnesota, that like stay yeah. German somehow. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so we, we, I don't even really know how to start because for me, an, an Indian white hybrid that isn't in England surprises me. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, that's the problem I was having too. So, <laughs> yeah, so... So, um, yeah, so my grandpa on my dad's side and my grand, my grandparents, so they both, um, came to the U S in the 1960s and mm. as like, it was, I think it was right after like the, um, some like immigration act or something opened up. Right. So like that would let more, uh, like Asian people into the country. Mm-hmm. And so he was doing, um, he went to the university. Where is it? I think it was John, John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins. Okay. Johns Hopkins. Yeah, so, um, and then he, um, so then he, my grandparent, or he, my grandma moved here. So, and then actually they, they were the, like, I think when they were, um, cause they lived in, uh, sort of like the Northern suburbs of Mi- Minneapolis. And mm. so like, they were really influential in like the, um, like forming like the because the, there's like a hindu temple that's up there mm-hmm. kind of and so they were really instrumental in helping that get along and stuff oh, okay. so mm-hmm, yeah and so. then you grow up being predominantly white presenting but like mm-hmm. clearly something do you get yeah. people notice that there's something not all the way white with you yeah yeah i do get that a lot i think actually that has happened before like i was um it's usually my name. My last name is a very right. common Indian last name. It's like Smith or Jones right. in India. So like people will see that and go, huh, that's, what's up with that? Mm-hmm. Somebody actually asked me that. What's up with your name? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just my name. So. Well, also in thinking about timing of, as so when your grandparents come came here, there was also sort of this like uh, white people sort of 
turning towards Hinduism or Buddhism and yeah. things like that, like in mm-hmm. commune style living. And I think like the Rajneeshi started around that time, but then they eventually moved here in the in the eighties and things. So mm-hmm. there could also be that someone looks at you and they're like, Oh, you're one of you're one of those white folks that became yeah. Hindu or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. And so how have you managed? Like how have you how have you how have you been your little mixed ass self growing up? and having the name that you have and everything? Um, it was really weird, I think, for me. Because, like, I always, uh, my mom was always telling us, you know, oh, you know, you're half Indian, half white. And I'd be like, okay, but what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I didn't understand it. So Yeah. Yeah. Because like, with, with your mom, you don't get to access the other side that much. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, she didn't really, I mean, I love my mom, I do. But I mean, she didn't exactly know how to like, deal with her two biracial kids. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Does your sibling present similar to you or? Yeah, my brother, he's three years older than me. And we look okay. like exactly the same. So oh, like, really? We both, yeah, we both have like the green eyes, brown hair and stuff so we both get freckles but like it's funny because we both kind of have similar um like lighter skin and stuff but like he gets sunburnt way more easily and I tan yeah I tan a lot more in the summer so it's really funny so that's funny mm -hmm. so growing up what did you think you understood besides just that your mom told you that you were half Indian um hmm. let's see I think it was like, it it always felt like for me growing up that I I wasn't enough of either side because it it just felt like there wasn't a way to um, like talk about both of these things at once. It was like neither side really knows how to talk about the other one. If that, Mm -hmm. does that make sense? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I, I, I hear that that's a common thing. Yeah. With a lot of other mixed people. So when did you start yeah. trying to, cause I know you've been participating in the, in the, the virtual hangouts and stuff like that, but when before this, did you try to start accessing sort of like your full mixedness? I think it was probably like college. So, um, cause I think the, the thing that I was having the most difficulty with was I didn't realize I could also call myself an Asian person because right. there, there seems to be this idea that India isn't in Asia, which right. I don't understand. It's like, well, where, where do you think it is exactly? Right? Right. It's not just floating in space. Yeah. So it's like, and uh, would you say that, like, like the people who say that, I'm like, would you say that, like, Nepal or Bangladesh or any of those other countries, would, are they not Asian too? So it's like, I don't get it. So that well, was the especially here in the states, because in the UK that's not a thing. Like they understand Indian and um, yeah, you know, well the subcontinent altogether as being mm-hmm. a part of Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, if you don't look like Japanese, Chinese, and Koreans, then you're not. Like, what are you then? It's sort of the thing that happens, I think, here, which is ridiculous. And then they, and then of course, there's the decision of saying like, okay, or the the way of saying like, okay these people are South Asians or they're Asians or they're Southeast mm-hmm. Asians. But again, mm-hmm. the lines can be really blurry where that is concerned to even decide what, who gets to claim what region of Asia. Right. Yeah. They get to say. <laughs> so how, how are you received though, when you do claim out loud your biracial white and Asian identity? 
Mm, I, I think it does go over pretty well. Um, well, actually, I, I do have a story. Uh, so I was going to a wedding. One of my friends got married this past summer. And um, I was staying at a hotel and like I had to show the guy my ID and he was just like, oh, this is an Indian last name. Are you Indian? I'm like, yes. Oh, nice. (laughs) And he's like, cool. And I'm just like, huh, I guess like my name is like my currency. So it's like, yeah. That's your like credential point for some people. That's interesting Mm -hmm. because that's one aspect of like, I think I've said it in one of the group chats. So when I started the show, I kind of thought about mixedness in one particular way, not really realizing that I thought about it like a monolith. And so as I meet other mixed people or I meet mixed people that are from different ethnic groups than I am and hear like, what is the point? Like, what's the thing that someone would look at you and be like, oh, I see it. Da, 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 da. This is what it is. Like, I know what it is from the black side. I still don't know what it is from the Japanese side because no Japanese has ever in their life looked at me and thought I was Japanese, even as I'm, even if I'm speaking Japanese or I'm eating correctly or whatever. But for, for someone like you, like, I, I wonder as you walk around, like, what are the things where someone would see you and validate you? Like, what is your Indian equivalent to the black head nod? Hmm. Because Let's I'm see. only putting it in context that I personally understand. Yeah, I I don't know what I'm not really sure. Um, I just know like whenever I see other people who look like vaguely South Asian or some some kind of yeah. So and I'm just like, huh, you look like family to me. So it's right. just like yeah, I like I see the your facial features like, and I'm like yeah, we have the same kind of face going on okay. there. So. Have you seen many other mixed Indian white kids growing up that you could kind of look at them and be like, hey, they might be like me? Besides the brown. Like, I know it's a lot easier to pinpoint brown, but when you just see like another mixed person, do you see it and get excited? Like, oh, they look like me. Kind of. Yeah, well, I didn't really see a lot of mixed Indian kids, um, except for my cousins, and they were born. Sure. They're, they're a lot younger than me, so because my, um, my dad has two sisters or he had two sisters one of my aunts just passed away mm-hmm. but um his younger sister um has she married a white man and they have two little kids um and they both look fairly lighter presenting so um yeah but other than that no I was having a hard time trying to see other mixed Indian kids yeah so yeah most so- of like my um my I, I do have a friend who's both her parents are from India, so we got along really well. Mm. Growing up, we could talk about that, so, yeah. Do you have any of the the kind of things that are sort of culturally idiosyncratic of people? You know, like, I always describe it that when I am, say, at the Japanese grocery store or something like that, or I am around other Japanese people, my my physical, my body, like, shifts. Like, I kind of hunch over, and I, I kind of get into a physical deference position, because that's sort of how I was trained by that side of my family or depending on if I'm around black folks or if I'm around British white folks or something like that like my physical demeanor in addition to my demeanor shifts do you have things like that that you could connect with or if you see other Indian people that you identify and that also validates your that's my cat (laughs) I thought they were all out they're not so going back into uh sort of things that are sort of idiosyncratic of of the people that you grew up around like reflective if not your family then other people that you know from your culture where you kind of see it and identify and kind of feel a validation 
when you're around people? Mm -hmm. Let's see. Well, I know uh, this, this might just be specific to like Hinduism, but like whenever we're, there were like parties and stuff, people would always greet their elders by going like this, like holding Mm -hmm. their like um, hands up to their chest like that and Mm -hmm. saying, you know, namaste, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's um, a sign of respect to your elders and whatever. Yeah. So, okay, so now you're 24 and you're living your big stats life, but how do you, besides your last name, like, how are you choosing, like, how are you actively choosing to engage, I guess, in all, in terms of, because you probably don't have a whole lot of German cultural things because it's more of American whiteness and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, right? Okay, so how are you accessing all of your cultures and, and trying to feel more like a complete mixed person? I feel like that's the journey for all of us is like how do I feel how do I make all these pluses Mm -hmm. feel whole Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's like um for me the thing that's helped the most is food and music so Mm -hmm. um those are my big ones yeah I I like I I love eating Indian food it's 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 just it's it feels like home to me so yeah because like Mm -hmm. my grandma always makes a lot of, of like traditional foods and stuff whenever we were over at our house and I was just like oh this is so good <laughs> and so yeah I got to learn how to make some because I'm not really the best cook but right. I want to learn how to make it so That's I think good. um yeah like the the, th- the other thing is I'm also a big uh tea person so I love drinking okay. chai and so that's right. I I like how um you can go to pretty much any coffee shop now and order some and so it's like that's good except it's it's not quite the same as grandma. It's never quite the same, right? Yeah, it's it's just like um, you know, I did talk a little bit on the group chat about my my tea stuff and and how just like they just do it wrong here. Like I don't know what else yeah. to say. It's like you just do it wrong here. Everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it is funny how it's like you get excited because it's there, but at the same time, it's just it's just not quite right. Mm-hmm. And you need something like I think as mixed people. <laughs> there's just these moments where like, I need this to be right so bad yeah. because otherwise you're just reminding me that I'm not a hundred percent of whatever this cultural access point is. <laughs> so mm-hmm. It's just like, like, I just need you to get this right. <laughs> like, please give me my British tea or my Japanese tea, right. Or yes. whatever the thing is like, there's just these moments um, that you feel like that. And then music wise, what, uh, what kind of music connects you the most yeah, so um, I listen to a lot of Bhangra music, which is like Indian dance music, um, mm-hmm. and it's typically uh, it's typically like northern India, because um, I, I I'm pretty sure that's where my family is from, so northern okay. India. Um, my grandpa was actually technically born in Pakistan, but it was considered India at the time because right. there's that whole partition of India and stuff. So yeah, yeah. but yeah, so that um, there's this group that I like that's <clears throat> that are on uh, SoundCloud. They're mm-hmm. called uh, DJ Anjali and the Incredible Kid. And it's so cool because it's like they they combine a lot of like uh, like Hindi music mm-hmm. and then also like uh, Spanish. There's also Spanish music in there too. And okay. so I, I'm like, oh, this is so cool. That's so fun. it's just like a mashup. So how does yeah. it feel in your body when you hear music from back home or or whatever it is like what happens mm-hmm. to you oh it's just like it feels like home again it's like your whole body was like relaxed 
so it's like oh yes this is so good like especially like the drum beat yeah um and stuff so yeah that's cool i find myself being i guess more specifically both the japanese side and and the black side like drums are a big part of both of those mm -hmm. music but uh in the last year i've discovered that my african origin is actually from gabon and of particular tribes from Gabon. So I started going to YouTube to be like, maybe there's music from these tiny little tribes that I'm from. Mm -hmm. And the second, you know, you hear something, it's just like something like the shoulders are relaxed, like something yeah. all the way through your body just feels like, I remember this, mm -hmm. even though I've never heard it before. You know, like my blood is telling me it remembers this music and, yeah. and it feels, it feels really good. All right. So you're connecting with food and music to the best of your ability. You, j you don't cook yet, which fair. Um, <laughs> I, I can do omelets. <laughs> you can do omelets. Yes. I, 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 can, I can burn my hands anytime I attempt to cook <laughs> something. What's the population like where you're at? Like how, if you wanted to just randomly in a day have a very Indian day, how do you do that where you're at? Um. Well, there, there are like a couple of uh, restaurants nearby. So that's one, that's one way to do it. Um, but I think actually there's like a, I, I went to um, an Indian grocery store that's like in my hometown. And so it's oh, nice. like, um, I got like a whole thing of tea and it was like 70 tea bags for like $4. I was like, dang, this is a steal. <laughs> so, yeah, I think going to cultural grocery stores helps a lot. I've moved yeah. to an area where there's a uh, there's two Japanese grocery stores near near me, and it's the first time I've lived that close to mm -hmm. to them. Whenever I've moved around the country, my you know my grandma would send me like a care package every couple months that would have all of my favorite things or whatever. But there's something just like just feels so good when you get to have those kinds of access points. What other time you said you had you had a couple of things that you did you did want to come in chatting about what did what did you have yeah so actually i i did want to mention like the whole with the whole like asexuality and aromanticism and like how that combines with being mixed okay so right so like, we we've talked to yeah. this off air but we didn't yeah. we didn't jump into it but we yeah. wanted to talk about intersectionality a little mm -hmm. bit and so as i guess reintroducing yourself a little bit why don't you kind of talk about how you identify and then we'll access mm -hmm. we'll get into it from there. yes yeah, so I um, I am asexual and aromantic, and then I'm also non-binary. Okay. So, yeah, so I generally just use the word queer because that's easier to explain. Easier mm -hmm. I, so I grew up in a time when queer was the bad word, the word that was mm -hmm. used against us. So I, I appreciate and respect the reclamation, but I do still struggle with the, with the mm -hmm. term. So yeah. I, if you don't mind me asking, and you can totally not answer it if you don't want can you explain to me a little bit, it just totally has nothing to do with military mix, but um, can you explain to me a little bit like how, how do you access the word queer and how does it feel to be able to claim it? Let's see, I think um, when I, when I was, I first heard the word like in an, in like an academic context, because okay. like I okay. took a lot of um, like queer theory classes queer theory when I was at yeah. school. Um, and so that's kind of how I found it. I never really heard anyone use that as like, um, like a derogatory term usually like for for me i think the word uh people used to throw like gay and lesbian as like a more right. of a derogatory term so yeah so it's okay yeah. so okay that that helps mm -hmm. that helps me understand how to how to talk with it too because i 
say like in school I I did take you know queer theory queer film things like that um, mm-hmm. and so like in this in the academic context I was comfortable using it but when I was using it to describe myself it was just like it tenses me up because of the time period you know mm-hmm. I'm like twice your age almost so um, it's <laughs> it's a uh, it's tough to it's tough to understand it and yet I can use it in these contexts but like this weekend actually right now I'm supposed to be in Vegas at uh, Calexicon which is like one of the biggest queer women's geek festivals or conferences uh which obviously i can't be there because thanks to coronavirus but i've been trying to actively engage with people that were also going to be going to this thing and talking about like queerness and you know being queer and it is such a struggle for me so i'm gonna do i'm getting out of it i'm getting used to it but while while we talk about this this aspect of intersectionality being mixed race people obviously we already have a built-in intersectionality but if we're also queer then we have a different type of thing too, because presentation, mm-hmm. gender presentation, sexuality, non-sexuality, like all of the things end up kind of speaking, especially with queerness that doesn't seem to happen anywhere else. You are somehow both your gender and your sexuality at the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah. And that isn't necessarily how we feel about it. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's get into it a little bit because intersectionality is a, a big, big a- aspect of our, of our lives. Um, do you find as a queer identified person who is also mixed race, that there is crossover between the two experiences? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. And how does it, how does it manifest for you? Uh, It seems to be more like erasure. So people will say, yeah, people will say like, oh, asexuality isn't real or something. And they don't- Like you just haven't found the right fill in the blank. Yeah. Gender yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like you'll get that from people who are straight, and then at the same time, there's like that sort of the the like the LGBT community is like we don't want you here. So yeah, why it's are like, you part of the letters, right? Yeah, so it's like the same same kind of thing with like being mixed. People would say, "Oh, you're not Indian. You don't look Asian to me," and then mm-hmm. they'll also say, "Oh, but you're not actually a white person." So right. it's like, yeah, damn so if you do, yeah. I, I agree with that. I so even though I have one of the original letters, I'm mm-hmm. a B. I feel erasure constantly. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that well, I also have to hyphenate my so again another level of intersectionality. I hyphenate bisexual hyphen polyamorous because while polyamory is not a sexuality, it is my because I am married, it, my polyamory affords my bisexuality, like me to live my whole bisexuality, I guess is what Mm -hmm. I'm saying. But like, I'm like, okay, I'm in the first four letters. The first one, like growing up, it was just LGBT. Like Mm -hmm. that was, that was, that was all we had back when I was growing up. So like, I have one of the letters, but I don't exist because I have a husband. So obviously I'm straight because I I identify as a woman. Okay, great. Awesome. (laughs) I don't get to, I, When really, that's not really my real, like, if anything, I describe myself as heteromantic and homosexual. So I'm like Mm -hmm. predominantly more attracted sexually to women and I'm more relationship attracted to to men. That's that that part's my deal. So to have to sit there and try to maneuver in a queer space being a bisexual, it's like, what are you? (laughs) Yeah. Do you belong here? (laughs) And I've found myself more recently... I have a few more asexual identified friends than I've, than I've ever had before, or they're out now, I guess. Mm-hmm. They weren't out before, probably. And I find that the same thing with them. It's just like, 
if they pay any amount of attention to one other human, then obviously you're not asexual because you, you <laughs> yeah. like this person or whatever. Right. Um, or even if they're partnered, you know, if uh, then it's the same type of thing. Well, it's like, oh, they just, it just not a spark yet. So how do you deal with, like, well, is partnering, I say, you say aromantic too. So is partnering mm. not an option for you? Like not something that you're looking towards or? Mm. Well, I think for me, like the romantic part is really confusing. So okay. I'm just like, I have a hard time distinguishing like what exactly is going on. So um, <laughs> I'm just like, cause like both asexuality and aromanticism are like on these spectrums, right? Mm -hmm. So I think like the asexuality was a lot easier to figure out than the romantic part because I'm sure. just like, because, you know, like we live in this society that's very like romance focused. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's hard to, to figure out if that's something I actually wanted for myself or if that was like, just um, like something you had yeah. to do because that's what society is like. Yeah, this exactly. That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I imagine that it would be a lot harder to come to than, than, mm -hmm. I mean, if you're, if you've not experienced or don't automatically experience any kind of sexual attraction or sexual interest in somebody, mm -hmm. that's a pretty clear cut thing. It's yeah. like, this is not happening in that respect. <laughs> like, whoa. but with the romantic side, it could just be feeling like in that case, I just haven't found the person that I mm -hmm. want to be romantic with. So yeah, I imagine that discovery is a little harder. Yeah. Do you, do you have a community? Since, since the queer community as a whole does kind of segment us and decide that if we're not mm -hmm. gay white men, cis men, then we're not really part of the community. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you have a place that you get to kind of experience in the same way that, you know, now that you're engaging with Militantly Mixed, you have a place where you get to be mixed. Do you have mm -hmm. a place where you can kind of be asexual, aromantic, and it not be like a, what, are you sure? Yeah, yeah. I think the thing that's helped me the most is like um, finding a lot of blogs to follow and like okay. listening to, but there's actually a couple of asexuality podcasts out there. And oh, okay. so I've been listening to those and that's definitely helped a lot. So like actually hearing people talk about it. So. Right. So at this yeah. podcast thing, I got to say, like, besides the fact that doing Militantly Mix has given me access more to other mixed people and stuff like that, like whatever deal you have you can find it in a podcast like you can get that validation that you need like I mean yeah I listen to a lot of of black nerd podcasts I listen to a lot of true crime like obsessed type of things and like whatever my deal is right in that moment the thing I'm the most into or whatever pops up and it's available and it's so validating when you realize you're not this weird person that was like the only person where you grew up that was mixed and a nerd and queer and all this other stuff. So that's great. So you, you do have a space where you can kind of exercise it. How do you feel about like being out about all the things, being out as a mixed person, being out as a, a queer person, being out as all of the things? How do you feel about that? Uh, let's see. Well, I, I feel like I am generally pretty okay about it. So it's just like, I, I'm like out to a lot, like pretty much all my friends on like, uh, like on Facebook and stuff like that. So, okay. but what about your yeah. family? Mm, not really. It just doesn't really seem to come up in terms of conversations. So we sure. don't really, yeah, we don't generally talk about stuff like that. So, but even uh, in terms of your uh, gender identity, do you get to 
not get to, I hate that I even said the word that way, but um, I'm sorry. Do you feel like you get, damn it, the word just keeps popping out of my head. Do you feel like you get, wow, I really can't find a way to say this sentence without saying get to like it's a permission-based thing. Do you give yourself permission to be able to be expressing non-binary gender identity Mm -hmm. to your family and yeah I think because I just go about my life pretty much like this like Like, I don't really yeah like flannel shirts and jeans and stuff so so you're Um, like letting them fill in the blank like however (laughs) however you get (laughs) yeah because the other thing that I think we deal with and especially if we come from a culture Asian cultures for sure I haven't really experienced it on on my other side but that pressure to partner have children all that kind of stuff does Mm -hmm. that I'm trying to figure out like how because in my family it was pretty much from the jump like from a childhood I'm like don't ever expect me to be married I'll never be married Mm -hmm. I ended up getting married because I needed health insurance but you know what are you gonna Mm -hmm. do but like don't ever expect me to have kids like all that kind of stuff like I was always saying it from like five years old so by the time I became an adult and I partnered that was the weird thing it was like what Mm -hmm. you've always said yeah, and unfortunately, not unfortunately, but like this thing happened, I didn't expect to happen when I was 22. I fell in love with someone, but still not having kids or anything like that. But the pressure was there. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. allowed to move out unless I was going to be getting married. Mm-hmm. I ended up moving out anyway. So that kinds of stuff. Like, do you yeah. have that pressure too from your cultural sides? Uh, let's see. Well, I think I was concerned about that at, for a while because like my my mom tends to think that I'll grow up and get married and have kids and that's not something that I want either but uh, she just doesn't seem to listen to me when I say that so it's like whatever you know this is what you want I can't really deal with uh, I'm just doing my me so yeah you can't take the pressure on somebody else wanting you to yeah yeah and like the I was also concerned too with like on my dad's side of the family I was like oh god I hope I don't have to get like an arranged marriage or something because that Mm. would my like oh god that would be horrible mm. so it's like I mean that that just is not something that I would want but like because my my dad had an arranged marriage my grandparents had an arranged marriage so it's like yikes but I, I don't really think that's gonna happen so because like we're not really that close you're not all the way in. So, yeah okay yeah um but what okay so what was the thing that kind of got you wanting to seek out sort of the mix well at least with the mixed community but it it may also mirror in in the other communities like what made you start seeking it out access um let's see i think it was just trying to find people who i could relate to um and especially with the like the asexuality thing because it's it's such a small community especially it it seems to be mostly online communities but i'm seeing more like in pride parades and stuff, they're including more ace stuff. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so just like- Also your flag has the best colors. Right, I'm wearing the ace flag right <laughs> now. The shirt has the ace flag on it. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I am envious of the colors because for my bisexual flag, it has pink, which like I get it, but also I hate pink, so. Oh yeah, that's funny. You know, actually um, I, I've, for a time, before I realized I was ace, I thought I was also bisexual because I was like, oh, I am attracted to all genders as a nun at all. 
<laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> well, that's funny because I had a conversation recently. So a, a friend of mine uh, also identifies as ace and it was, they are married in a heterosexual presenting relationship, mm-hmm. but the ace stuff is strong, you know, like it's just mm-hmm. like they have, so they're not aromantic, but they, but they are asexual. And, uh, and the way they were describing their, their experience was just this constant state of pressure of like having to commit publicly to a sexuality, you know, or whatever. And they said something really similar where it was kind of like, I'm eight. The way way they said it was, I'm ace. I can literally never have sex in my whole life and be totally fine. and, And that would be comfortable. That being said, if I partnered with a man or a woman or a non-binary person or whatever, it literally wouldn't matter. Like, cause Mm -hmm. the same amount of sexual impulse is coming from whatever gender. So it was really more in that case, partnering with a person that they liked basically, like that was about, about it, but their, but their partner is actually concerned that they might leave them for a woman one day. And it was just like, but literally it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, I don't want to have sex with you either. <laughs> you know, like I mean, I don't know. If she, I don't know if she ever said that, but you know, but basically, it's something like that of just like I don't want to have sex with anybody. So it doesn't yeah. matter if we break up and I end up with a a woman like, <laughs> or a man, because like the same amount of sexual interest is happening regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, exactly. I wonder if a lot of other ace identified people go through that bisexual stage only because. It's just like it's not work. Like I'm nothing's hitting anywhere. Like this yeah. guy, this girl, like nothing's hitting everywhere. So maybe it's just about finding because we don't have a society that's like really granting that it's okay and not mm-hmm. weird if you don't actually have that that sexual that attraction. Hits. Sexual attraction, yeah. yeah. Like if you just don't have <laughs> sexual attraction, like you just don't have it. Yeah, that's why exactly. Yeah, um, but our society is so built that like that's the progress. You get old enough that you can partner, you start having sex, you start having babies, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And for me, like, it took me a while to be able to feel comfortable too with my identity because the longest time I thought, I think like a lot of bisexual people, I I thought I was straight. And then I kept having these dreams about these girls. And I was just like, why am I having, oh, it's because I want to look like her. Mm-hmm. you know and that was the thing it's like clearly I want to look like her because I'm ambiguous and you know you can't identify me my mixed raceness is all over the place but that yeah. girl like if I look at her she knows exactly like you know exactly what she is so I want to look like her but then mm-hmm. I would wake up with, with a sex dream and I'm like hmm why do I keep dreaming sexually about these people I want to look like but again it was me trying to figure like I <laughs> I was coming from a society that was telling me I was straight and yeah. that like bisexuality wasn't even thing. I barely knew lesbians existed like barely knew lesbians (laughs) me too because if they weren't like butch presenting Mm -hmm. there was no way to understand that it was possible to be any other kind of woman that was also interested in women it took a long damn time for me to figure out that that's what my deal was and then once I figured it out I could go back in my memory all the way and I'm like oh so many more things make sense now (laughs) (laughs) but again because our society doesn't teach us that there's more than one option there's or at least there's more than the binary option Mm -hmm. um that you can express it and i'm i'm like half jealous and half really excited about what's happening in the world right now like that non-binary people are all the way out and being able to express any kind of way like Mm -hmm. 
androgynous or super femme or super yeah. masculine or whatever like it's making me so happy to see it because me too. um <laughs> like my internal presentation that i imagine when i think about how i am is like some kind of a mix between like a dapper femme <laughs> type person like that would be my aesthetic if i could if i could like afford to to live my truth <laughs> yeah. um but like my whole life i was just like trained against that because mm -hmm. women don't wear suits and women don't do this oh and my god i love wearing suits a like, woman in a suit is the yes. hottest thing yes i agree <laughs> yeah because I mean, like yeah like right. i can i can recognize that people are like physically attractive like aesthetically pleasing but for me i think that's about as far as it goes right like so. <laughs> it's just, that's a beautiful thing and yeah. that makes it because like for me, uh, I remember my so my Japanese grandmother was really obsessed with American movies and it all it all dates back to World War II, the propaganda telling her that she's a mm -hmm. child and the propaganda was telling her Americans are cannibals. If Americans come, you got to kill yourself with poison. They'll eat you and they'll die too. And but when the Americans actually came, they gave her chocolate and she fell in love with Americans at that point because she was just like, oh, Americans aren't cannibals. They bring chocolate. <laughs> so she grew up obsessed with Americans and then started watching American movies. She <clears throat> thought she's going to marry Clark Gable and she ended up finding an American to marry and come to the States. And so her she continued in this interest of American movies and we would watch them together, older, older movies together. And. Marlena Dietrich pops up on screen oh, one day, yes. and she's yes. in a tuxedo and mm -hmm. I'm just like in a world that bisexual and and non-binary and all that kind of stuff wasn't out wasn't spoken about yet mm -hmm. that image spoke <clears throat> all the way to my body like I, I would think I was like maybe 10 or 9 like somewhere in that age group just like that's I get that like there's something about that that's calling to me but I didn't know what mm -hmm. it was and then as I got older and, and um, like went to film school and got to see the movie again, and I started to realize like, if there was a way that I could walk around as a, in a lady tux all the time, <laughs> that would be my deal. Like that would be my aesthetic. And it just took forever to be able to get to a point. And even like my twenties, I've been out as a bisexual person almost all the way throughout my twenties, thirties, and now into my forties. And it's only now that I feel a hundred percent like I get my whole deal but mm -hmm. that's because it took younger generations to be out about things that we weren't allowed to be out about before mm -hmm. yeah that it's just like oh okay so i find myself now leaning closer to a more non-binary mindset about my gender whereas like i guess i'm comfortable in saying like a female bodied but mm -hmm. um there's so much about me that has you know, masculine mindset and like different yeah. things like that, that I feel like it's okay if I, I feel comfortable if I identify on the, the women's spectrum, but I also feel comfortable on the non-binary spectrum. And honestly, for me, any pronoun works. If you call me he, she, or they, it doesn't yeah. matter because my Japanese grandmother called all of us the opposite because her pronouns were different mm -hmm. translating them into English so girls were always he and boys were always she so like gender pronouns never really affected me that much so I can yeah I can be called he she they and yeah. all of mm -hmm. them felt comfortable for me yeah that's kind of um, how I feel too so because like I I don't really feel strongly at all about gender I'm just I'm I just like I just exist inside this body that happens to be gendered by society sure. a specific right. way. But I'm just like, I'm just like this genderless being floating around in this nice. world. And you're comfortable so, in your aesthetic too. So yeah. that you just, you're, you're presenting yourself 
yeah the way mm-hmm. that makes most sense and feels most comfortable that's yeah. that's great do you yeah. feel like I know I, I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier but do you feel like you learn lessons in terms of understanding your identity through your mixedness or through your sexuality or through your gender identity uh, is there a crossover of course does like learning something about what it's like to be a mixed person inform any aspect of your gender identity or your sexuality or vice versa? Let's see. Well, actually, so one thing is like, I know um, <clears throat> with a lot of like traditional Indian clothing, it's very gendered. And mm. so like you get like the long flowing saris and sure. lingas and all that stuff. And so I, I actually, I felt like in order to connect with my culture, I had to like embody this sort of like hyper feminine idea right. with, you know, like, like the long hair and like the dresses and stuff, but I'm just not comfortable it's with so that at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, I want to see more like Indian people wearing like suits and stuff like Indian, like femme presenting people wearing suits. I'm just mm-hmm. like, that looks so cool. Or like traditional, like Indian clothes that's like, not so gendered. That's what I would like to see. It's really so. funny too because in a lot of a lot of different religious aspects, there yeah. is sort of a hybrid gendered deities and things like that. Like there, yeah. there you know, there's different yeah. things like mm-hmm. that. So you would think that, like, if the ancient religions inform a little bit of non-binariness, you're like, can't exactly. we slip that into our culture, like our current exactly. culture? Because so, yes, Native mm-hmm. Americans also have the same mm-hmm. type of thing. Like they, yes, they exactly. actually have mul- They have like six genders that they can identify mm-hmm. comfortably. But again, society, we're sort of like having to really like jam it forward. Like this is a thing mm-hmm. that is ancient. Yeah. Like it has been here. Exactly. Let us present this way without giving us all these these crazy things. Mm-hmm. Have you looked into any aspects of that to like? also inform your yeah so I think I think actually I was doing a lot of research on like Hinduism and stuff and so it's actually like a lot more um like there's a lot more like gender fluidity and Mm. like sexual fluidity because that all existed before you know colonization 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 (laughs) really ruined everything it really really fucking does man (laughs) yeah it's it's all the British British colonization in India so yeah and so like now um you know there there was that like being gay was considered a crime up until not too recently so right people were recently killed from it even yeah and it's like it's all because of these laws that were imposed on them and stuff so it's like but you know this has always existed it's just like you got to look at the history um like and in like a the uh ancient texts and stuff like that there's this really great book that i want to read um it's i can't remember who the author is but it's like uh something about like queerness and like gender gender fluidity in like hindu hindu tales Mm. like in like um because in in hinduism like there are a bunch of different gods and goddesses and Mm -hmm. that have like that switch genders and stuff in the stories and do all kinds of stuff so it's like yeah this is like this is in here but like we're not questioning it so you also wonder like as decolonization is kind of happening I mean Mm -hmm. different different parts like the British empire isn't an empire necessarily anymore and there's still countries that could be given back 
sovereignty if uh if british like backed up a little bit more but you also wonder like as decolonization happens does do these cultures get to kind of grab back those things from the past like how many mm -hmm. generations would it take to dispel that that stuff that happened so like how long would it take to get back to gender fluidity being more common or more comfortable mm -hmm. because it was in the past and stuff because now it is unfortunately it's a part of the story you know in the yeah. same way that we talk about like the drums speaking to our blood like this now mm -hmm. becomes a part of our and especially with us as being mixed people mm -hmm. you know we are both <clears throat> colonizer and colonized unfortunately yes. that's a part of our our struggle i guess that we have to kind of deal with and i've touched on it throughout the show a number of different times you know it's hard to identify with the white side when i feel so brown and yet yeah. technically i'm more white you know mm -hmm. percentage wise but it's just something that is so hard to identify and 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 times when i'm just angry like just angry about it mm -hmm. and and not having a way or place to put it but also wondering like what would i be how comfortable would i have been in my skin had this never have happened and and things like that and could i grab back some of that time before when i could express gender differently i could express sexuality different i could express even even if i was still mixed but maybe not not as mixed colonizer ways you know if if colonization hadn't been the reason why i was mixed i guess is the best way of saying it it is it is something i i think about and dwell on i know there's nothing much i can change but i'm curious <laughs> to see like as we become more out as a as a community as mixed race people versus sort of identifying with what we look most like do we get to own that back with our you know further generations and of course like i'm not trying to have kids so i'm not passing it on to anybody except for through my show so i don't know like what that impact could be but yeah. i'm interested to see like as p as we get to own it more and teach it to the generations that come after us do we get out of it do we get out of some of those hang-ups that we have you know actually i saw um I, I think i'm part of another like mixed race group and they were asking like do us mixed people who have like white and like white parents um do we have to like or should we be paying reparations or do we receive oh, them or something and i was like huh that's really an interesting question so yeah that is interesting and i've been thinking about reparations lately because um there's there has been the recent i guess they they did go to congress to try to talk about about reparations and stuff and mm -hmm. it's hard to figure out what the guidelines of such a thing would be you know there's there's ideas about like you must at least have had one grandparent that just or one ancestor that descended from slavery you know okay. in terms of black reparations because um, japanese got reparations for internment um, mm -hmm. but i'm not internment japanese my japanese came later and yet there is still racism that impacts people that immigrated later so mm -hmm. do you include them in as part of the reparations because the society is still going to treat them the way they treat the other people who were here before but mm -hmm. you chose to come here so yeah. You know, or like your your ancestors chose to come here versus yeah. being dragged here. And mm -hmm. then there's the idea of like, well, are you, yes, you're experiencing racism, but if you chose to come here knowing this was a racist place, does that absolve you from receiving the benefit if the world is still going to treat you like they treat it's a whole bunch of stuff and, and you can understand why the, the debate is so crazy. But then again, yeah. if you include the mixed people, you know, there's aspects of my mixedness that is voluntary where mm -hmm. people from different 
uh, countries and different cultures came together and made babies. And then there's part of my mixedness that wasn't, you know, and which is reflected in my great grandmother on my dad's side, who clearly as a very, very light skinned black woman and her fan and her parents were the last in slavery above Mm -hmm. her, above those generations, somebody got raped somewhere, you know, like otherwise they wouldn't present as light as they did. So there's a, oh gosh, it's such a messy thing. Yeah. And, and I guess maybe that's too with some of the anger about being mixed with life. So I don't have a white parent. I have two half white parents. Yeah. And um, I don't know like directly what it's like to be informed by a white person. I mean, I did have mm-hmm. my Nana around, but she wasn't around for my whole life. Uh, you know, she didn't live with us the whole time. So I wonder too, like what got in? Like what of the racist ideas or, or anything like that? Like what got in? to me I don't know because I don't know how it was diluted through the Mm -hmm. generations to get into me and even as we have parents like you know in your case being biracial with one white parent one brown parent there's still things that the white parents can do and say that you're just like oh you don't understand like you don't understand what it's like for Mm -hmm. for brown people and stuff so yeah exactly yeah like when um my mom or my stepdad will talk about like race or something and they they tend to like watch fox news a lot oh no i'm just like oh god i can't change your mind (laughs) you just sit there like oh you don't have any of your family's interest in heart at heart yikes yeah yeah that's yeah i I feel like yeah my stepdad's kind of like that too i think he's like very republican very like pro guns and whatever and it's just like yeah okay I get it but also no (laughs) like it's just I'm not a hundred percent against guns but I am against the idea of why people want them like you know when the second amendment was written it was written because you would have to form militias Mm -hmm. to protect against you know other sovereignties and stuff like that so like I get the idea back then Mm -hmm. that doesn't flow to today but then again, we have the administration that we have. And so, and those, and with that kind of administration, you're like, oh, maybe I do need this because I might have to fight that government at some point. You know, like there's <laughs> yeah. a whole bunch of things that make it feel really itchy where yeah. you're just like, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not okay with any of this, but I don't know how, I don't know how to express where it's comfortable to be okay and where it's comfortable not to be okay. Cause like we're, we're following rules that were written so long ago and have nothing to do with was aside. I mean, shit. When the when the Constitution was written, my ancestors were considered less than half of per, less than a person, like three quarters of a person, two thirds of a person. So it for sure isn't representing, you know, yeah. like any. And then yeah. to be a mixed race person, also, you're like, well, see, yeah. now I feel like two thirds of a person because you know yeah. so much of what I'm mixed with can be uh, disregarded, I guess, society wise. Uh, as we get a little bit closer to the end of this, how do you feel having talked about being mixed? <laughs> it feels pretty good. I, I enjoy talking about about all this mixed race stuff. I actually, um, so I, I recently found out that there's like a critical mixed race studies mm-hmm. thing. So like critical race theory. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is so cool. So I'm looking up like journal articles and like I, I just love reading about stuff and so I was reading somebody's like master's thesis actually about like how universities and just like schools in general should include like mixed race studies in their 
like ethnic ethnic studies mm-hmm. departments ethnic, or whatever yeah, yeah. and so it was like wow oh, this is so cool I really like this like because when people do like their like like big papers like that they get like super personal and it's just like yes this is yeah. great I love this I've actually had some guests on the show that that have um that have focused their higher degrees on like mixed race studies or or something to the to the degree and it's it's so exciting to think mm-hmm. like it's available it's starting to become available uh, the, and yeah. I think that's what's important about doing this show too is that we're laying a footprint for exactly. mixed race people exist <clears throat> and all of our stories are different yours of mine are totally different from each other <laughs> and yet we have some crossover yeah. in terms of like how we feel or you know what our gender identity might look like today versus tomorrow you know stuff like yeah. that exactly. um I think I think the the fact that we get to have these conversations really do just help and ho- like I'm looking forward to seeing like what happens through the next couple decades of my life to see like do mixed race people get to just be a thing yeah. without it being an anomaly or just like oh look at you yeah <laughs> look that, at you that just being mixed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. all right so we're coming close to the end and I like to ask all of my guests what they love most about being mixed have you thought about this at all are you ready to answer that question yes I have <laughs> thought about this so I I think the the thing that I always love about being mixed is just being able to experience the world um, and seeing through multiple different lenses. I really mm-hmm. enjoy that. So it's like I can and being able to like relate to different people because like I can walk up to somebody and be like, hey, I'm mixed and they'll be like, cool, let's talk about this. Blah, mm-hmm. blah. So it's just like, yeah, it's a good way to like talk about have have deeper discussions, more dialogue. And so I do enjoy that a lot. Yeah. We're like, we're like human bridges exactly. <laughs> to different cultures so we can yeah, translate but, for other people. <laughs> yeah, but we can't fix racism. That's We can't sure. fix racism. Thank you. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not the, we're not the solve for that. But I do appreciate you joining in. I'm so glad that you've been participating in the virtual hangouts. I think, especially now that we've, as we've grown so much, you know, I, you got a, you got a fellow mixed white and, and Indian person on the yeah. last session. So <laughs> like there's starting to be ways in which we can connect across people that are, you know, yes. might have a closer connection, but at the same time, generally be able to talk about these things that affect all of us as mixed people. So mm-hmm. thank you. I'm so glad that you've been participating. I hope you can continue to do it. Thank you for sharing your story with us on the show yeah I did want to mention my I do write poetry and I did we did include that in the link um I like writing poetry and then I also have been writing songs on the piano because that's something I enjoy doing oh nice yes so uh we do have those links in the show notes for everybody to check out so check those out and support Ivy and I mean other than that don't forget to be your mixed ass self yes Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast, produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, The One. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantlymixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self.
Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.